2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of
1: America NA, member FDSE. As many of you know, uh, March is the month that we in F3 have designated as mental battle month. Uh, We focus on topics that are are relevant to that fight, which many PACs face guys like Drop Thrill and Yak Trick, you know, they, they push out all kinds of content on Twitter and Facebook. And while we didn't start this episode of the 4-3 with the intent to discuss mental battle, uh, that's where it ended up. Uh, and on this episode, Ralph and I are joined by Mulch, uh, the Weasel Shaker and F3 San Antonio, and Seabass, the Ruck Q uh, out in uh, Kansas City. And we shoot the breeze for a little bit, but then uh, the men get, uh, get open and vulnerable. Uh, look, the stresses of life and living can wear on a fella. And we hope that you find encouragement uh, in this episode. Leadership isn't for the faint of heart. It's dirty, dangerous, difficult and disruptive. It will test everything about who you are. Unfortunately, as a leader, you're out front, which means you usually only get about 43 feet of good road built for those following behind you while you're running the race yourself. Welcome to the 43 Feet Podcast, where each week you'll hear from some of the greatest leaders we can find, both in F3 and beyond. If you're going to lead, you'll need to be ready for the difficult challenges, for what lies ahead in the unknown, for what's lurking in the next 43 Feet. So uh, welcome, gentlemen, and all of the listeners to the reboot of the 43 Feet Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dark Helmet here with my co-host Matt Crossman, uh, otherwise known as Ralph out of the St. Louis area. Uh, Ralph will be joining me as a co-host and, and we've got a couple of great uh, guys on the podcast. Uh, our guest today, Mulch out of San Antonio uh, and Seabass out of Kansas City. Uh, and so I'm just going to kind of let him know really quick. I met Mulch by accident um, over LinkedIn. Didn't know he wasn't uh, an F3 guy. He wrote me a note on LinkedIn based on something that I wrote as a, as a Statement to the nation. Uh, and he was like, Hey man, I really appreciate what you wrote. I thought it was really good. And I was like, Hey man, we'd love to catch up with you sometime, thinking, hey, it's this great uh, San Antonio guy, you know, F3 guy. And uh it turns out it wasn't. So after a few minutes on the phone, I was like, Wait, you're not an F3 guy? I was like, No. I was like, let me tell you about a little something. And uh, and so he he jumped out and and went to a beatdown. And, um, and the rest, as they say, is history. He's EH'd half a, half a region by now. <laughs> he's actually, <laughs> and after only like nine months uh, or whatever it is in F3, he's also serving as a weasel shaker, a new weasel shaker in F3 leadership in San Antonio. Um, and uh, he runs a, 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 an indoor plant company, uh, like everywhere you go where it looks nice inside and you think, oh, this, is, this feels nice in here because there's plants and there's life and there's growth. Uh, Mulch does that. Uh, he puts those things in like hotels and and large business uh, parks and places like that. Does that?
0: Yeah. Interestingly, I I don't spread mulch, but.
1: (laughs) There's almost probably very little, if any mulch that actually is involved.
0: I think when we we do, we lose money doing it. So, (laughs) you know. Mulch, it kind of sounds like your office should be its own AO. Right. Hey. I was thinking about that, except then I'd probably have to like, Keep people on the payroll for the beatdowns, and that just didn't sound.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, you know that's a that's a fair point. And then they'd really be into that whole like I fell here, workers comp something. It's a big
0: liability on on multiple sides.
1: Sounds terrible. And I was telling the guys before we started recording today that uh, while mulch is a great name for a guy who works with plants, he ehed his dad in. I think his dad has what I would consider one of the finest F three names known to man, which is the sod father. Yeah
0: and, and he, was, he was named long before his first post you know? <laughs> so yeah you would
1: pick that one out huh? yeah yeah quality uh, also joining us from kansas city uh is the infamous uh stony jawed handsome devil seabass. bass uh is joining us from kansas city uh who actually has been in in uh, f3 shorter than i had thought um, but uh, i've known Seabass bass now um, for, I don't know, six months or so based on a couple of grow rucks uh, that we did together, one where he was a participant and one where he was an assistant cadre uh, for that. And so, Seabass, welcome.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. This is yeah, great.
1: Absolutely. And um, and Seabass, uh, for his, his mammon, is a, uh, a wealth manager for um, a very specific kind of subset of folks, um, and uh, and I can, he'll probably tell us a little bit about that later. Um, candidly, when it comes to money and numbers, usually it's kind of a little over my head. So I just sort of smile and go, oh, that that sounds interesting. And he's like, well, you know, we managed this, that. And I was like, uh, you mean wealth? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's all money is all well. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, and of course, my co host, uh, Ralph, as we mentioned, uh, has, has written for everybody there is to write for um, and is a general genius. And grateful to have, uh, grateful to have him with us as well. So, so what are we doing? Like, how are we managing our 43 and how are we staying ahead? And what are the kinds of things that we, uh, that we face as men? Uh, I, myself am 45, uh, years old. I've got three girls. Uh, one is 17, one is 15, uh, and one just turned 11. I should probably learn their names at some point. Um, but, <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, I know. I know, Ralph. You're a, a similar aged uh, to me. Yes.
2: So, I'm. Yeah. I'm 49, and I have two girls. They are 14 and 11, and they are right. uh, F3 Schroot and F3 The Dangler.
1: <laughs> Man, everything in Anything. St. Louis seems better already. You get a, a package when you're yeah, a site cue. you You. They give the kids good names. Mine are like, my F3 name is Butterfly, and I'm like, wow, that's a terrible. Yeah. Name. yeah.
2: You, you need to hear the story of the dangler. I was going to say, hit me with the uh, dangler. So so the first thing I will tell you is for the full story, uh, Google Matt Crossman and how NASCAR saved my daughter because I've written about it. Uh, the short version is we arrived at the hospital. Uh, my wife was in full-blown labor. We, it was a Saturday morning at about 8 o'clock, so there was nobody uh, in the lobby. I said to the person, the receptionist, please get us a doctor. My wife is in full-blown labor. I went to get my wife a wheelchair. I said, here, honey, sit down. She said, I can't sit. Something is out. And I pantsed her. Literally, we're 10 feet inside the hospital door. She had the presence of mind to take a step to the left so she wouldn't set off the automatic door opener. I pantsed her, and I kid you not, the, the baby's head was out. And so I was on my hands and knees, cupping the baby head uh, and uh, screaming, I mean, absolutely screaming for the doctors. And so uh, her face, do uh, you remember Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Yeah, sure. Sorry, Rock'em Sock'em yeah, Robots? Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: That's, that's what she looked like. Her face was blue and all squinched up like this and yeah. it wasn't moving. And I thought blue and not moving, that that's that, not a good combination. I'm not, yeah, that's so a bad baby. so I pulled her little nose so this is all. So she's like a third born and two-thirds not born. <laughs> and so I poke her a little nose, hoping I will get some reaction so that my heart will restart. And she didn't react at all. I mean, I poked her literally. I she wasn't really born yet, and I'm already poking her in the nose. Yeah. And so she doesn't react. And so I think that she's dead. And I lost it. I mean, I was sobbing absolutely uncontrollably on the on the floor of the, the hospital. Somehow a nurse arrives, uh, somehow a, a doctor arrives, and she like falls out one shoulder and then she falls out completely. And then the nurse takes her and the umbilical cord like unravels right in front of my eyes, uh, like, a, like an electrical cord. And I saw her arm move as they were carrying her. And then uh, they get her to a stretcher and she starts screaming. So then I'm like, oh, I I mean, it, that's the worst two minutes of my life, period, full stop. Um, wow. So, then, uh, so that, that's why she's called the dangler. And our doula arrives like, and goes running past, like going to labor and delivery, like runs right past us. And I yelled to her, her name was Paris. I said, Paris, come here, meet my kid. <clears throat> and she tells me she patted me on the shoulder and I just started bawling again. I, I have no recollection of that at all. So apparently I'm sobbing, like crazy in the hospital I don't even know. So anyway, that's why she's called the dangler. It's the, the best nickname ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, sodfowler's good. I'm sorry, the is better.
0: So
1: so what's the, the NASCAR? Yeah. Thing?
2: Okay, so the, the NASCAR connection is uh, <laughs> at the time uh, and I have a feeling still, you're sorry I've written you asked. a lot about NASCAR yeah, so I, I've written a ton about NASCAR. I hung out with the drivers, done all kinds of things with NASCAR drivers. So on the way to the hospital Uh, I was driving down, I lived in Charlotte, I lived in um, Highland Creek, I I had to go to Lake Norman Hospital, Lake Norman Regional Regional Medical Center, and I was driving down 77, going 90 miles an hour, Uh, my wife was holding on to my right arm about tearing it off every two minutes, because she was having contractions, so I was driving 90 miles an hour, one-handed, and and the story was about basically applying what I learned, being with NASCAR drivers as they drive like maniacs to get to the hospital uh, in one piece.
1: Hmm. well, I think that's it for the podcast today, kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we covered everything. We can file something dream of. I'm it's, glad that she stepped to the side. You didn't. What what's he, that? What's, what's that?
2: I didn't hear you. Oh, come
1: on. Oh, no. I was saying, I'm glad she stepped to the side so she didn't decapitate the child. But
2: yeah, it's incredible. Like, she, they had to throw away her shoes. And and so they, they put my wife on the into end the, into of the wheelchair and they're wheeling her up. And she says, This is so funny. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for the mess. I'll, I'll come down and clean it up.
1: I like how oh, we got people for that. Oh, those are great. What are those? Nike, reebok? No, they're placenta. That's that's what That's fantastic. Okay. And
0: this is where we go to commercial break. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so uh mulch uh well that so good so that's good. Um and, and of course I I'm learning now that uh that Matt and I are gonna have trouble keeping uh keeping our stories. Um but so sorry about that. Mulch, tell us uh give me, I mean you're you're a little bit younger. Uh, than we are, um, slightly different stage of life, a little bit younger kids. I think Seabass, you're you're kind of in there as well. Am I wrong?
0: Yes. So I'm 37. Uh, I've got three kids: um, Thea, Tori, and Tyson. I Get those names mixed up all the time uh, because they're they're kind of right there in the same age group: uh, five, four, and three. And so they're usually doing the same thing. You know, it's a beautiful thing when they're all the same yes. age because you entertain them. With the same thing, but they're usually all together, uh, causing, you know, absolute chaos and mayhem in uh not just one room, but you know, every room of the house. And so, you know, they 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 all get called, you know, the other one's name. But uh they, they do have F3 names, uh, although I do not recall them. And uh all <laughs> after how to train your dragons. So they're all named after dragons. And they're actually really cool names. Um but I just I just can't think of it. But yeah, little little younger, thirty-seven years old. Um, been a part of F three now. Uh, as we were speaking, going on I think like nine months. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, it, it really has been.
1: Yeah, and CMS, uh similarly for you, you're what forty?
3: Uh, just turned forty-one uh, four days ago. Uh, Happy I birthday! Have, I have, thank you, thank you uh i have two kids uh my girlfriend has two kids so we've got four in the house here um all pretty crammed together the oldest kid is uh 10 or 11 i don't know so we've got 10 or 11 down to like eight nine. So we're all uh we're all we're all crammed in the age uh so it's it, it's pretty can get pretty wild around here just as uh as mulch indicated i can
1: relate yeah I'm going to go ahead and maybe story. figure out how old that one is. What's that, Matt?
2: Right, CBAS. What's, how? Why bass? How'd you get that?
3: Sure. Uh, I can give you that story. I, I think it's hilarious, and, and I don't know if it'll transfer to be so funny. So here in KC, um, clearly I'm biased, but we have what has to be one of the coolest AOs in the country. So our AO named Doughboy is actually the National World War One Memorial. Uh, is here in Kansas City. It's kind of a treasure of Kansas City that doesn't get a lot of press, but it, it's a big deal for national World War One Memorial to be here in Kansas City. So it just so happened that I've been an art history minor and going to school here locally. I've, I've studied some of the structures there and whatever. So the, my first post ever was to Doughboy or the World War One Memorial, um, and so I wanted to show up with a fun fact about the World War One Memorial, knowing that they were gonna call me into the middle and say something about yourself. And I thought, how boring would it be to actually say something about myself, you know? Anyway, so I said, you know, my name's Eric Lynn or whatever. And then I gave an interesting fact about the World War One Memorial, which is that the, I can't remember the date, but the only time that all four leaders of the allies World War I were ever physically together was at the dedication of this World War One memorial, and so I said that Ooh. just to be an obnoxious FNG. And, G. and uh, cousin Eddie, who is our third FQ here, um, cousin Eddie yells out, "Let's name him after a historian." And in my head, I'm thinking, "Oh, this this should be hilarious." There was about seven to 11 seconds of total awkward silence as zero people can name a single historian. Right.
1: <laughs> that tracks.
3: Well, I mean, uh, I, I'm not saying people shouldn't. Have, it, it was just, you'd have to be there. Yeah. I, I was internally dying, laughing thinking, Oh, this is a, this is a circle of geniuses we got here. So after <laughs> no one, after no one came up with a historian, someone just, you know, awkwardly yells out, well, what do you like to do? Uh, and and I simply said, Well, I like to fish. I mean, I'm not like an avid fisherman. I'll just occasionally fish. And so somebody's a sea bass. And so the sea bass. You know, it's just this, it, it was it was a wild ride from uh, an articulate historian to sea bass. And so yeah, to a knuckle-dragging,
1: mouth breathing idiot in an idiot yeah. movie. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, Go on.
3: It's still unknown if I was named sea bass after the Dumb and Dumber character, or if it just somehow they connected fishing and the word sea bass. Well, uh, so based was, on what you've told us so of,
1: far, I'm going to guess because they couldn't think of any other fish on the planet. But that's maybe just me. I don't know.
3: It was uh, it was a collective brain cell. Uh, oh it, it was just it was an amazing moment. So,
1: oh, too good, too, too good. good. So. One of the things that I so I think it's interesting then to we've got to kind of kind of covered the the whole gamut here in, in a way um, is you've got, you know, uh, mulch up there. And I'm going to switch back and forth, probably from your f three names to your real names, just because that's just how my little brain works. Um, and this isn't a, a podcast, obviously, mostly for F3 guys, but there there will inevitably be others who who are listening as well um, outside the world. So, you know, I apologize in advance for mixing their names up. But uh, you got Mulch up here, who's uh, three young, very young kids, uh, married for how long? Oh,
0: great. Uh, 15 yeah. years.
1: Yeah, I'm going to. Okay, guys, I'm going to just tell you, CBass, know how old your freaking kid is, okay? Just go ahead and grab hold of that and memorize it. <laughs> and Mulch, got to say that uh, if it was anyone okay, other it. than me asking, you should probably know that one.
0: It. it wasn't on the teleprompter here, okay? Mm. <laughs> <All
1: right.
0: laughs> 15
1: years. So he's got 15 years, which is actually longer than I expected based on the ages of your kids.
0: Yep. We waited.
1: Uh, But uh, you got married when you were pretty young then 22.
0: Yeah. Married uh, very early, um, you know, like before we knew our, who ourselves were and what that was supposed to mean, you know, together and, you know, what, what that road looks like. And yeah, early on, like a year after graduating from uh, Texas A&M and um, yeah, it was it was quite, so those
1: are some interesting dynamics to to talk through as well. You got Ralph, who uh, I imagine has been married for a while, like myself, um a little bit older kids uh will be twenty years in uh, in June say again
2: I've been married twenty one years
1: there we go, yep, and uh C-Bass, who uh has yet to make an honest woman of uh, his girlfriend sounds like. Yeah, that
3: should be coming. I uh, <laughs> I can get into the story later, but I uh, I, I, I was married. That was actually, quite a quite painful, which actually can kind of ties into my time at F three. But uh, I have I have been married.
1: Yeah, well, we guessed that. Um, but you know, I guess you didn't have to have been, but it was it was a guess. So you got guys at different stages of life, different stages of, uh, of of their relationships with their wives and with their kids and all this kind of stuff. And so here we are, trying to be high impact men. And trying to figure out how do we, uh, you know, just navigate these relationships and, and all these kinds of things. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how F3 kind of uh, plays a role in that. But I guess first, uh, let's let let's kind of jump in and say, you know, number one, uh, when I sit with uh, my stone, uh, you know, stone and blade, and we have a, a whetstone uh, is what we call is kind of a mentoring relationship within F3. Uh, for those unfamiliar. uh, And I'm actually surprised how many are unfamiliar in F3. Um, But uh, when I sit with the guy who's mentoring me, you know, he just asks me straight up uh, about all these different aspects of my life. Look, tell me about your fitness. Tell me about what you're eating. Tell me about, you know, how you're managing uh, your your relationship with your wife. What about your kids? What about this? What about that? So I thought we might just kind of start with, uh, hey, man, what's been going on? mulch in uh and let's say in your your relationship with your significant other there would you say it's an accelerating relationship right now or is it decelerating and how deep are you willing to share
0: well you're definitely putting me on the spot there um yes i am (laughs) it's it's not about relationships right i mean we we have gone ups and downs and and i've been the the bottom of what that looks like and it's horrible and i've been on the peak of what it looks like and it's awesome and then you throw kids in the mix and we're just trying to figure out like what is that homeostasis of of what this is supposed to look like right you know because they're they're constantly changing their needs their desires their attitudes their you know everything's just it's always different literally every day Um, and so i think kind of the stage that we're in is just really trying to figure out okay um, we've, we've got them to where they're alive, right? Like, like check, you know? Okay. So we, we kind of set out some plans and, you know, it was like, okay, well, what does successfully parenting these three kids look like? And, you know, early on we just said, Hey, and for me, you know, kind of the biggest win would be to, once they've grown and moved on um, to have them have a a desire to hang out with us when they have the choice not to and so that's just kind of some like guiding thoughts in my mind as you know how I go about um raising two daughters um and then the third which I I honestly was hoping was going to be a daughter because I just as as just the thought of raising a son I was like man there's just like some some just big things I'm gonna have to do to you know make that happen and you know the world's gonna be watching and and all that, and so anyway, that's getting into the kids, but um, yeah, with me and my wife, Katie, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ups and downs, but um, we are on the same page with what it is that we're doing, um, how we're going about doing that, who does what, and um, you know, there's moments where um, me, like when I'm at my worst, like when my gesture comes out, um, that's me trying to be very controlling, uh, that leads into perfectionism, Uh, which means that I put very unrealistic expectations on myself uh, and others. And typically she's the one who takes the brunt of that, Uh, unfortunately. um, And so, you know, I mean, what does that look like? It's little silly, stupid things. Like, I don't know, like why are there chocolate chips in front of the door when I walk in, when I get home? And like a thousand of them, like the entire bag. Uh, And I bring that up because that's what happened last night as, <laughs> as i walk in you know it
1: sounds like a guy talking from experience
0: right literally that was yesterday um and you know there's, there's a list of everything but you know just having an understanding of what it takes to raise three kids and for each of us to acknowledge and recognize and respect what that their day was like you know mm-hmm. and it's it's easy for me to assume um, what her day was like and and you know, Oh, the three kids went off to school and you got to do this, that, and the other. And the reality is, is there's so many other things that she's doing. And on the flip side, you know, there's so many things that I'm doing. Um, sometimes, you know, and I'm very upbeat, very like inspirational and motivational. So she thinks I have a great time with everything that I get to do here. Uh-huh. Uh, the reality is, is, is that's not always true, you know. I mean we all have, you know, those days that aren't aren't so great. And so just coming through with an understanding of what that looks like and, and what I have to do as I'm driving home is I like physically throw that there's this bridge I cross and I physically like throw it over the bridge, you know, so that I can mentally prepare myself for walking into whatever that's about to be. And and generally I have yeah. more.
1: no I love that. Uh, in fact it's funny you say that because I, I have a little ritual myself where I and my kids, I don't do it literally anymore, but I used to do it literally, like literally do it. And that is we, all of our shoes uh, in our house uh, live in our garage. Um, we just take them off when you're going in the sh- in the house. That's just the deal. There's a big shoe rack in there. And that's, you just hang your shoes. Right. Um, and uh, we, I, so when I would get home, I would, <laughs> this is so dumb. I would talk to my shoes and I would say, some of the like kind of leave the day in my shoes. I can put them back on again tomorrow. Right. But I would leave my day in my shoes so that when I went inside, I was, I was how I needed to be for, for the fam. Um, You said something though, that I thought was interesting. uh, And I'm going to throw it out to, to all of us to kind of respond to. I saw a, uh and I think it was probably Gary Vaynerchuk or one of these, you know, hustle guys, you know, whatever, blah, 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 um, who I love and hate all at the same time. Right. Uh, but he, I saw a thing. I think it was him that said, you're not a perfectionist. You're just afraid.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to let that hang out there for a second. And see, and bass, uh, Ralph and heck, anybody grab on to that. Tell me what you think.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of that comes out of fear, right? Because why do we seek to control? It- it's because there's things that we can't control. So then we look at, well, what can we control? Or what do we think we can control? Uh, which typically goes into like our three feet, right? Like we're talking about 43 feet. When you look at your three feet, you know, you're like, okay, there's a few few more things I can control here. Well, I mean, it's a misnomer. It's not true. Um, And I truly believe that's rooted in fear, you know, of Mm. the unknown, um, you know, or for whatever it may be, maybe it's ego. And, you know, I want my kids to um, have these manners and operate this way and communicate with adults that way. And so when you're home, you're like, you know, running it like a seal platoon. And (laughs) it's just, you know, it's it's out of fear of what are people going to think when they, you know, see my kids out and about, Mm. you know, Crawling on the table at Denny's or whatever. I don't know where that came from. We don't go to Denny's, but...
1: No, no, yeah, nobody goes to Denny's. It's disgusting, but that's <laughs> I mean, not the they, point. They, they, <laughs>
2: call, but, they crawl on the table, just not at Denny's, right? right
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. If you do a yeah. golden corral, it's fine, but Denny's, yeah. thats yeah. terrible.
3: That component, the fear component is very real, and um, I'm a big... Uh, so I, I go to the therapist. I see a therapist every other week, and it, it, it's obnoxiously expensive, but the stuff I learn in there is is so significant and kind of one of the things I'm on to right now that I've shared with some of the F3 guys here in KC is, and it relates to fear, is that everything in our body, everything in your body, especially your nervous system, is built to keep you from pain. Like, And so that fear is your body's defense mechanism of somewhere in her, here, this is going to hurt, right? There's obviously the physical pain, but the mental or emotional pain. So an example I always think of is you know growing up or your dad might tell you your buddies might tell you you know you're uh you're such a loser because you won't go ask that girl out right the reason you don't want to ask that girl out is it could be so painful if she says no so that that fear isn't you being a wuss or a coward or these things we like to tell people it's just you know whether you believe in creation or evolution however old we are everything about you is designed to avoid pain and yeah. so when I think about that, even, even with my relationship with my M, which uh, currently at the moment, we had a really big argument last night. Isn't that great? Um, You know, even in your interaction, she put chocolate chips by the door.
1: (laughs) Is that that what happened?
3: If only it were chocolate chips. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um, Yeah. But so I I think that fear, you know, from an F3 workout to your, to your relationship with your M or your kids and so not to extrapolate too far, but the fear for men is the old school vulnerability, right? I mean, men just are scared of being vulnerable. And I think, um, you know, a, a lot of us at F3 are probably feel more safe to be vulnerable in COT or shield lock or in a whetstone relationship. But when it comes being vulnerable with our M, man, those, those defense mechanisms, I mean, they just shoot up, right? Because I think every man Every kid growing up wants to know who will like or love me when they actually know who I am, and, and and all of your body is telling you, don't tell anybody who you really are because it might their response might hurt.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, I, I, I completely there. agree. Oh, with sorry, Mols, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I just um, I, I can double click on that too because that's exactly. Uh, what what my road has been so at my worst when I'm I'm trying to control and I'm you know living this life of thinking that you know I, I can um, where that ends up for me is in a state of just insane anxiety and there was a point in time in my life honestly not that long ago where I didn't really know what that was I was just like oh this is this is just kind of life right and um, And then it came to a head in the form of a panic attack, like random. Like, I didn't know what that was either. Um, Had to go back and talk to someone about it. Um, And in fact, CBass, I, too, every other week, and talking with someone about that, too, and trying, which I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, when our golf game sucks, we go get a coach. Like, when our business needs help, we go get a consultant. Um, But for whatever reason, when uh, our marriage is on the rocks, like, Going to go talk to a therapist about it is like, oh, no, 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 it's not that bad. Um, or likewise, right. um, you know, the kind of mental battle that we as men are, are prone to. is like, oh, I don't need to go talk with somebody. Guys, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and I celebrate it. Like, I enjoy it. I look for it. I call my coach, you know, and we talk about anything and everything, and uh, it truly is a beautiful thing because as CBass was saying, we as men just try to just push it down and push it down and most of us don't even realize we're doing it until you get to the point of it just explodes and um you know and you can you can walk it back and that's what i've been able to do through that coach therapist whatever um is is just kind of unpack where that comes from you know that's how i can Mm -hmm. sit here and say hey i know what my gesture is like I, i know when when i'm living at my worst what that looks like and it is an attempt to control rooted in fear that comes out in, in unrealistic expectations of me and everybody around me. And that's not a good place that that that's uh, when when I'm 43 feet out in front of people doing that, I turn around and there's nobody behind
1: me. I say that at workouts all the time. Like I love guys who, you know, if you're queuing guy runs way ahead of you, I usually stop them. I stop everybody. Let those guys just run. And I'm like, you know, if you think you're up front, Maybe look back and just make sure there's somebody back there. Ralph, you were nodding your head like uh, like you know exactly yeah. what these guys are talking about.
2: I do. I happened, uh, I had been in therapy for many years uh, off and on, happened to be in a not therapy phase, but that might just be coincidence. I'm sure I will be back. Um, yeah, I mean, the it's a never-ending battle it's you know anxiety depression uh you know it's a, a horrible cocktail uh you know i uh let's see i've had one appointment in the last three or four years and i've been seeing this guy forever and friends isn't the right word but therapist is uh too impersonal for the relationship that i have with him you know the point where he said when we were done. You know, I just sort of listed these things <clears throat> at the time. Uh, my mom was uh, dying of cancer. She has since died. Uh, we were in the middle of a pandemic, uh, you know, just various I problems. I wasn't very children.
1: long
2: ago. No, yeah, my, my mom died uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it, it got to the point where I couldn't, uh, I don't want to say I couldn't function. That, that's an exaggeration but I was frozen. And in my job, I I work for myself. And, uh, you know, CBass mentioned asking out the girl, well, that's, I I try to sell stories. That's basically what what selling a story is, is you're trying to get an editor to go out with you by buying the story (laughs) and the anxiety of being told, no, that just sucks. It just sucks. And there's, I just have to deal with it. I I know that. Uh, And it's not a rejection of me. It's a rejection of the idea. I, I there's, there's a lot of things to unpack there, but, yeah I, I basically I just I couldn't stand it anymore and so I, I don't remember if I emailed them or called them I must have emailed them and I talked to him a couple of days later and just like seeing his face like my body I I have a physical reaction kind of like what uh, Moltz was saying about going over the bridge just seeing his face makes me feel better uh and that one was on zoom it used to be I would go and see him and hell I've been going to I think my first appointment with, with him was in two thousand and five, uh, and so I've had you know some long stretches where I've been you know moderately okay, uh, and some stretches where I talk to him weekly. So, uh, yeah, I and you know I I uh, I read a story once in, in St. Louis Magazine. This is going back some years, from somebody who had lived in California, and he was describing the difference in talking like we are talking now about therapy between the Midwest and the West coast. And it was a really interesting, uh, perspective where he said in California, everybody, everybody's in therapy. So everybody talks about it. There's no sort of social yeah. barrier to it. There's no, uh, it's not something, you know, even, I mean, mulch, you, you call him your coach as if you shouldn't call him your therapist. And maybe that's just a, a, a mental thing that you did, but, uh, you know, in, in California, there, there is, there is no such uh, barrier to that. It's just, it's much more baked in the culture. I think the difference and- is
1: whether or not you can bill insurance to see that guy. I think that's really the only big difference.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm <not> so sure. <laughs>
1: I kid, I kid, I kid.
2: Anyway. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you went to a, a beat down, let's say there's 30 guys there uh I, I will. First of all, I'd say there's 18 and have it be the right number. Uh, I, I would be really curious to see how many have been like ever and how many would admit it in front of the whole group. I would be really yeah. curious to hear that. And I think it was not a short time before I, I mean, in 2005, ain't no way on God's green earth, I would have said anything that I just said. So, first of all, I didn't believe it. And second of all, even if I did, I wouldn't have sure. had the balls to say it.
0: Sure. And that's what yeah. every guy thinks. And I think if you were to poll them, I think you'd probably find more guys who need it, who are not willing to go because of the stigma that comes with that. Um, I mean, and here we're sitting here in front of F3 nation. And certainly there's guys from my region who are going to be listening. who have no idea. And certainly there are some who need help right now, you know? And so that's (laughs) why it's so important for us to be open and honest about, you know, the, the mental battle, because guys, that is the next pandemic, right? Like it, it, it is Say that it is, again, the mental battle, yeah. the, the struggles that men go through men and women, but men hide it more than women. That in my mind is the next pandemic that's coming down and it's going to be far worse than what we've seen. with yep. COVID.
3: Yeah. I, I, I think the, uh, with the, with the fear of dropping, uh, too many Oprah bombs here, I, you know, the, the, the mental battle, uh, you know, for me is, is all of us understanding that there is a reason we are like we are, meaning I don't like the word deficiency or problem, but, you know, for example, if you walk in your house and you see all of those chocolate chips on the ground and you either have an internal response or an external response that doesn't actually match what you're seeing, something's off, right? Right. It, 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 uh, so, so think of a baby. A baby only has one way of communicating. They just scream. We all know that baby only needs two things. It either pooped itself or it's hungry. Yeah. Or it's no, Twitter got turned yeah. off. Yeah, or it's hanging between its mother's legs at the hospital.
1: <laughs> <laughs> About to have its head smashed in the automatic door. <laughs> nice. So, but only if you poke I, it. But anyway.
0: I love the reverse segue. You
1: yeah. like that? It's so good.
0: Yeah, that's that's it, new.
3: You want a storyteller, you've come to the right place. But uh, exactly. so, so what, what I'm saying is, is I think a lot of us, when we realize we have a problem, we think what's wrong with me. And my point is all of us are dealing with what, what I turn. Well, I don't turn, but the psychology world or whatever calls trauma responses. Right. Something is triggering a part of you when you walk through that door and see those chocolate chips and you are taken back to somewhere some uh, small part of you is being triggered. You are not actually being triggered. Like Mulch himself, his big heart, family man, business owner, F3 guy, that's not the guy being triggered. You have a trauma response deep down inside you that is being triggered. And so part of the the, the process of walking through this and, and what really this does, which is very difficult because let's face it, we all love being judgmental is that when you see other people struggling is you say man they've got a pretty big trauma response there i wonder what i wonder what they're going through i wonder what happened to that guy i wonder what happened to that girl versus oh man look them that's who they are they're an addict or or name your name your issue right and so it allows for grace to be given both ways and it just calms this level of understanding of like man those chocolate chips are really pissing me off but you know what that's just some part of me. Yeah, it might be nice to figure out that part, but I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna eat those chocolate chips and move on.
1: Okay, first of all, gross. Uh, don't eat off the floor. That's disgusting. <laughs> One of the, yeah.
3: What
1: were you gonna say, Ralph?
2: One of the, well, I said, probably the most important thing I've learned through all that is to uh, I, I is to recognize, like that the first time uh, I, I I went to see a therapist would have been. Before, the guy that I've been telling you about would have been in 1998, I think. And she was telling me about the things that can cause anxiety. And there was a, if there was a list of 10 of them, I had had eight of them within the span of like six months. Yeah. And so my response, you know, building off what CBAS said was completely normal, it, it even expected. You should have anxiety if you've had all of those things. Or maybe not should isn't the right word, but anxiety is an absolutely normal outcome based on the events right. that have occurred in your life during that span and recognizing that and being able to say it out loud to say, okay, I'm dealing with this yep. and this and this and this and this. I don't know what the hell to do. And I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I do because I, I'm i having a hard enough time when things are going good. And when they're not, uh, I need help. And that was a that was an important turning point to me was to recognize that, yeah, I'm a broken uh, sinful person and these broken sinful things are happening to me and I don't know how to deal with it. And so I need help with that. And uh, yeah, that's, that has been hugely important. To me. Yeah. I, just I, recognizing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Ahead,
0: I mean, not only just recognizing it, right. Because sometimes that's ugly when, when you go and start unpacking, you yeah. know, everything that's causing the symptom over here. I mean, that can be an ugly thing, but it's so important for us to, to be willing to walk that road. And what you're telling yourself is, I'm taking ownership of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't like how I feel. Uh, there's some things in my environment that I can't control, but I know that I need to own that because I am 100% responsible for what my life looks like walking forward. And until I got to that point, you know, because it's easy to be like, yeah, here's the eight out of 10 things. And, and yes, you're right. Absolutely. Any clinical psychologist is going to say, Oh, that's what's happened to him. Well, yeah, Yeah. then he is going to have anxiety and depression and, you know, PTSD and, you know, all these sorts of things. Okay, fine, fine. You know, that's, that's been my life. That's been my experience, um, for whatever reason. And I would argue for a reason, right. Right. Like there is a reason behind that, you know, maybe, maybe it's for someone else to hear your story and for you to share it, which is, I think important and really cool that we're, we're doing that. But until you get to the point of owning it and then figuring out, okay, what is it that I need to do to figure out tools or ways that I go about living a successful life, whatever that means for me, you know, and and what I know with myself is, and what I believe for most men is there's nothing more dangerous than an idle man. You know, someone who's just sitting there and, yeah. you know, watching Netflix and it has no passion, you know, in their life outside of, of really anything. Right.
1: I uh, Yeah. Those I are the mean, guys that put on Buffalo helmets and stored in the Capitol. I mean, I, I, I know.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like even in their careers, which you, okay, you can maybe look at and say they were successful, but. The only reason why they're there is because they took the easy road and it just so happened to turn out there's no passion behind it there's no reason there's no intention and I mean that's what we we call the sad clown right some of them don't even realize it but until you get to the point of of recognizing what's important to you and you you take ownership of that it is it, it is cyclical right because you're gonna have those triggers uh bass those traumas are gonna you know be sparked and then you just downward spiral into that?
3: Yeah, I, I come across this a lot. I, I'm pretty deep into this whole process with my therapist. So I'm, I'm pretty good at weeding it out myself. But um, as a therapist and I started talk, you know, working through trauma wounds and whatever, there's, there's the big ones. I, I'll make one up like my dad used to beat me or, or something like that, or I've been blown up or I've seen combat, right? But there's also these tiny little traumas. That I found, I would, I would, and, I, and this is the, the, the tough ranger in me trying to downplay things. I would tell my therapist, "Oh yeah, I had this happen to me," but you know, and she would stop and she'd go, "Hey, hey, wait a minute, that's a big deal." Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Might
1: be a big right. deal for you mortals, but us yeah. rangers.
3: Yeah, but I found myself like my ego popped. I'm like, no, I'm rough and tough. You know, she's like, no, no, no. Like, hey, we we need to think about that for a minute. That was a big deal. And it could be something like, like, I know, uh, uh, my, uh, my, I, I was on a golf scholarship and I played real bad. My, my golf coach called me in and he said, uh, you're the worst mistake I've made in 20 years. Jeez. And, I remember th- and I remember thinking at the time, well, I didn't play so bad. And okay. You must be telling me the truth. And I remember I casually mentioned that exchange to my therapist. And she was like, wait a second. Like, that's a big deal. And I kind of, you know, defensive, like, no, no, And she was like, no, we need to sit in this for a minute. Like you know, so we, we just went through this process of how, how could that affect me? But I, I, it was uh, very interesting to realize that like, you know, there's, there's things
0: affecting you that, that it's a big deal. Right. You you don't even realize it. Right. A lot of it. uh, And through my experience, it's just sitting there in your subconscious. Like you don't even know you picked that baggage up. (laughs) <laughs> right. Start walking down yeah. that road and being like, oh yeah, well that was just life. Well, yeah, but it also has some implications based on that experience that you had.
1: No, for sure. And I think I really love the, the idea that, that you shared a minute ago, uh, Josh, that, you know, kind of that idea of, of depersonalizing it a little bit, or maybe, no, maybe it was Eric. I don't remember now. Um, th- but it was kind of like, Hey, I guess it was Eric. Cause it was like, Hey, y- you're not, traumatized like you're not this guy that's acting this way this is this is the you know the six-year-old or the eight-year-old or whatever it was you know that, that's who's reacting in there he's baked in there right. and that's who's reacting and that's yeah that's where that gesture behavior kind of comes from and that's where where we get kind of tripped up and 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 i think to some degree and I, i'm really first of all i gotta tell you i really sincerely appreciate you guys sharing all this so far um and i know there's more to come but like this is the thing I think guys get confused about a lot is we give it lip service. It sounds nice. I think we've made enough progress to at least be able to say, you know, guys were willing to admit and say, oh yeah, sometimes I have troubles with stuff or, oh sure. I know people see therapists and I don't, I try not to judge them when I hear that, you know, but they, they don't necessarily see that in their own life where they go, you know, I need people around me. And, and, oh, I know what it was that you said, Josh, you were talking about uh, what are those patterns of behavior? What are those things that I need to do? Essentially, you know, as we would use in F3 parlance, you know, uh, guardrails and, and and bricks, yep. right? Right. You know, right. what are those DRP, daily red pill habits that we need to be laying in place to make sure that we're guarding ourselves uh, against falling off the edge, right? And whether that's through our shield locks or whether that's through our whetstones or whether that's through, you know, a therapist or whether, you know, I don't, whatever the thing might be to help you to lay those, behaviors. That's, that's how we're going to get from A to, uh, A to B. bass. I feel like I cut you off. Go ahead.
3: Uh, no, I, I, I don't think you did. I was just going to say, you know, all, all of that, that idea of managing those, I, uh, I call them parts, right. All of our little parts, uh, in what you referenced, it, kind of a term for that is arrested development, right? So for example, uh, if a kid at 10, his dad tells him, Hey, you're stupid. Right. That man, as he grows up, anytime that guy feels like his intelligence is challenged or his abilities are challenged, he will respond from a 10-year-old's perspective, from a 10-year-old's hmm. emotional IQ. Hmm. His uh, development has been arrested and he's stuck. So anytime that guy uh, kind of gets challenged, he's a 10-year-old. And that yeah. can have damaging consequences to those around him. If, if you're a leader in business, if you're on a sports team, or, or, or if you're the leader of a family, uh, when you start acting like a ten-year-old when you're not ten, and those around you need, uh, you know, a strong leader, quote unquote, it's, it, it's, it's, it's so damaging. Uh, it's, it's almost unrecoverable if, 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 you can't figure out sure how to go back and repair that that incident of trauma. Who,
1: who was the guy, the coach that uh, threw chairs across the basketball court all the time? Bobby Knight was that Bobby Knight? Yeah,
2: yeah. Bobby Knight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> clearly not acting like a 50 year old man. <laughs> Ralph, you had, you looked like you had something you were going to throw in there.
2: Yeah. I would say the, uh, sort of dovetailing with all that is I was just thinking about the last time, uh, that I, or two times ago that I connected with my therapist and the email that I sent him was, you know, I'm a mess. <laughs> and he wrote back and I mean, he, he bludgeoned me over the head with this. I, you know, to, to tell me, to get me not to say I'm a mess, but to say I'm in a mess. Yeah. And that, you know, I was, you know, describing myself in, in, in un, unhelpful ways, you know, and, you know, in learning to recognize the lies that I tell myself. But I would say that that's uh, still a growth area. You know, I would not say I am uh, over that. I'm at the point where I recognize uh, that I do it, uh, but I still do it. Uh, and, I, and that's sort of related to the arrested, arrested development in that I am, you know, telling myself that is who I am, as opposed to that is what I am in, which is an important distinction.
0: I think that's huge. You're reframing the same scenario. You know, you we're, we, we're all in our heads, right? You know, you got that voice that's talking to you and it can either say, why are you so bad at that or this or hey, what did I learn from this? Um, what is it that we can do better you know, next time? Sure. And that's a completely different springboard into you navigating through whatever that situation was to propelling you to actually improving in that because you very well may have sucked. Yeah. But what is it yeah. that's going on in your brain? Like literally it rewires it you know, to say, and this is how I'm going to improve on that next time.
1: Yeah, Pax, if you haven't uh, read uh, the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, uh, I would throw that out and recommend that to you. As Dred might say, that's my butcher's word uh, for the day, you know, uh, because it's a it's a book that that really goes over exactly what you just said there, Josh, of, you know, being able to reframe a situation and say, OK, or or like you said, Ralph, like not I'm a mess, but I'm in a mess. I've been in a mess before. I can handle messes. But if I'm a mess. Yeah then nothing's handleable. And, and, right. and Pax, I, I would say this too. don't mistake what we're saying here for goo. Okay. Because I know a lot of guys when they hear like "Oh, a therapist, you know, or, oh, you know, these guys, uh, you know, they're soft. You know, we just, we're men, we power through, you know, or whatever. Right. That that's not how things work anymore. I think we're past that. I think we need to start admitting to ourselves that, uh, but that's not the, the, the way to look at this. The, the fact is, and we, we all admit it, and, and I have it, obviously, you know, uh, Mulch mentioned it, Seabass has mentioned it, you know, we've all mentioned it, right? Uh, the thing I always say to, to clients or friends, you know, in, in, as I'm doing leadership development or whatever, is, <laughs> look, I know. It's your dad's fault. But now it's your responsibility. That's right. You know, it, it is your dad's fault. I get that. But now it's your responsibility. And so I think where this becomes goo and where we see it become gooey is when guys start using these things, these feelings or these externalizations, you know, where we kind of you know, depersonalize these things or whatever. And we start using words like, oh, well, these are, you know, triggers or trauma or whatever. Like when we use that as an excuse exactly. to sit and wallow in our crap, That's and right. that's when it's a problem. That's when we need safe spaces or, or whatever, but this is, this is different. (laughs) Whether you like it or not, you're a complex emotional being, whether you like that or whether you don't like that. Those are the facts.
0: Yeah. Some of us are a little more
1: complicated than others, you know, and whatever, but the facts are that you have a lot of complex things and systems that that play into how you are and, and, and how you feel and how you're going to accelerate.
0: And And, and this is, is, that's where
1: it gets different. You look at all those holistically and and be willing to admit that these things all play into each other, then then you got a real problem. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry.
0: I, I was just saying you're you're exactly right because when you take that and make it an excuse, that's Goo Nation. For an F3 packs, he takes that and he says, okay, well, recognizing that that was what it was, and more than likely it it is. I am prone to go there. What bricks am I laying out? What guardrails am I building so that I don't? Right. And for me, you know, I mean, that starts with the first F, right. You know, that's why we get guys in. It's like, okay, let's start accelerating something. Let's recognize that uh, when we're not held accountable to go meet up at 530 in the morning in South Texas cold, uh, which by the (laughs)
1: way.
0: It's 65
1: today. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm
0: going to say one thing to that comment. (laughs) Mm. It's colder somewhere else than where you were (laughs) today. That's
1: true but I'm not whining about it. Am I?
0: I you know. You know, uh,
2: I, know. Mulch, I was with you 100% till you said Texas cold. Give me a break, dude. It's going to be single <laughs> this
3: weekend. Please. This not. Podcast, Texas yeah. cold.
0: They yeah. all, they will come out in their snowsuits. But, but what bad. I'm saying is if there's nothing more dangerous than an idle man, then what are you doing to build up those bricks and guardrails that keep you from going down into that spiral?
1: Yeah. hundred you know, percent.
0: We talked about, you know, Uh, like seeking pain. Like what is it that you're doing? Like how is it that you're doing something that's uncomfortable, right? Like you're putting yourself in a a voluntarily uncomfortable situation for the benefit of, for most men, like building confidence. Like, Oh, I can do that. I just completed the brag heavy. And people are like, why in the heck would you go do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Why do people climb Mount Everest? Like it's a huge confidence builder. I know. Yeah. Yeah exactly. And I want to, I want to be around guys who want to do that. I want to be around men who want to wake up early and go do crazy stuff so that I can sit there and remind them when it's raining and we're like, Hey guys, look at us. Like, how cool is this? We get to do this. This is fun, you know, before anyone else is even out of bed, you know, but we're, we're building up those relationships, those guardrails, those bricks that are keeping us from drifting. Right. Because you don't you drift out of where you want to be. You don't like drift into righteousness. You know, this is <laughs> what happens. Like you have to have those guard. Right. I us slipped and perfect.
1: fell and became awesome. No. Yeah. No,
0: no that never happens. Yeah. And, and that's uh, why it's different. You know, particularly as we talk to the F3 nation about it.
1: No, I think you're totally right. And, and uh, guys who have been listening to uh, other podcasts, other F3 podcasts may have heard uh, Maximus, uh, with, with C-SPAN and some of the things he talked about and he wrote a piece about running. And, um, you know, like, I think that's what happens. I think you're right. Mulch is that you, you, you get a guy out, he starts realizing, man, you know, running a couple miles in the morning in the cold relative, um, or the, (laughs) you know, or the, the rain or the, whatever it, it really is therapeutic. It really does something for me. It really clears my mind or this or that or whatever. And then you find, oh, uh, running a couple miles on a Saturday wasn't enough, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna run three times a week, and, or I'm gonna go to boot camps three times a week or whatever it is, right? And then pretty soon it's like mm, that's not quite cutting it anymore. And we like to use this excuse of oh I'm I'm increasing my physical prowess, which yes you are, um, but are you running as Maximus put it? Are you running to something? You're running from something. You know yeah. what, what are you running for? And uh, and then pretty soon you start realizing sh- I you know I can't outrun my fork. I also can't outrun my past. And so I have to really start diving in here and dealing with some of these things, and that's how the second F and ultimately the third F uh, come come to be in a guy's life. I think
0: that's absolutely right. And then who am I surrounding myself with through sure you know, a whetstone or shieldlock who's saying, "Oh yeah, you're running towards something that's not good," right? Because you can do that too, you know, yeah, or you true. can be running away from something that is good, you know. So oh
1: yeah,
0: how do you? how do you filter through that? Because left to our own devices, it's, it's very difficult for us to, you know, see that that could in fact be happening as well.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Ralph, you're going to say something.
2: Yeah. I would say that, uh, the single most important thing that I've learned in F3 is how much fun being miserable is and how much joy and pleasure I get out of doing ridiculous things. I mean, uh, Girl Ruck is my favorite example that, uh, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning, some, uh, you know, former ranger with a chest like a Buick pokes me in the chest and says I'm putting a blindfold on you and then I have to rely on a, a dude from Pittsburgh named The Gambler who I've, you know, never met before, hiking in the middle of the night in an absolutely torrential downpour, blindfolded, and it was awesome. Like, what the hell is the matter with me? Wh- who is, who is this guy who thinks that this is awesome? Uh, and yeah, so that's, and yeah, mulch, I couldn't agree with you more that surrounding yourself, uh, with, you know, men who are, you know, pursuing along the same lines. We have a guy here, slow pitch who quotes, um, James clear so much. I think he's maybe getting, uh, residuals or something. He's like.
1: getting kicked back or something.
2: Yeah. And the quote is basically join groups where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. Yeah. And there's something really strong and powerful about that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Well, gentlemen, I, I honestly, and I mean this very sincerely could probably sit and talk about this all afternoon. Um, but unfortunately no one would listen past a certain point. So here, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and identify this as that point, <laughs> whether I'm <laughs> right or wrong. Um, just to, to kind of bring it around uh, again, gentlemen, I cannot thank you enough for being open and vulnerable. This is exactly what I kind of hoped uh, was going to happen um, as I brought some what I consider to be high impact men together to talk about F3 and talk about how it's transforming their lives. But not just in a I look good in a bathing suit way, although we know Seabass looks very good in a bathing suit. So yeah. I saw a picture. He was standing in the snow. Anyway, uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Uh, and maybe if I'm feeling plucky, I'll stick that picture into the video here because <laughs> this is going out both ways. Um, but I think that uh, the, sort of the, the last few thoughts, I guess, that I have, and, and I want to open it up too if anybody else has any kind of final thought they wanted to throw in as well um, is, is, you know, remembering that your role, the things that you are called to do are not you. You are not the things you do. You are you and the value that you have has nothing to do with the role that you play or how well you play it i tell my kids all the time you know dad's terrible at basketball like three-legged blind cat bad at basketball and because he's bad at basketball does that make him a bad guy and of course you know they know the answer is pretty obvious right i mean of course not right i'm as stupid to even say i said well but i'm a bad basketball player I'm like well it doesn't matter okay so if you get a b you know, or, you know, whatever the role is as a student, or if you make somebody upset as a friend, that's the role, you know, and, and, and moving that off to say, Hey, I can screw a lot of things up, but it doesn't change who I am and whether or not I have value uh, inherent into me. And so I think the, 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 the thing I think is, is, uh, and, and this is my job on the planet, man. Uh, I, I believe that I have been put here to have these kinds of conversations to help unlock men. Uh, and to help them to become the leaders that they can be to become the people that they can be uh, and to to peel back enough layers that you can find that mission inside because if you can find that brother whew, i mean get out of the way right so so i appreciate you kind of taking this uh this journey with me a little bit for the last hour or so uh on the podcast any any final thoughts anybody wants to kind of throw in there before we wrap it up
3: no all, all i would throw in is that, that that this is great you know i think um all of this stuff that F3 is doing um, is, is hilariously impactful. And I say hilariously because I'm, I'm sure each of us in our own region occasionally wake up and go, what in the hell are we doing? Um, for example, to, to learn that St. Louis uh, sends their site cues, care packages, um, both gives my heart joy and hurts my heart. Uh, I, don't, I hope some uh, KC packs uh, a specific nanny fud as we like to call our antennas listening and can get on uh on that but uh
1: just a, retroactive too do you i mean if you were a thank before and you're not now do you think you can get like reparation care package or something is that i no?
3: sure okay. hope so. I, I was a side and i like to joke that i was just demoted to ruck Q. so i i hope <laughs> that, uh, hope it uh it is but 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 in all seriousness you know uh dark helmet i what you were saying is, is, is very key. And, in, in, in uh, kind of a mentor of mine taught me a long time ago. And it's this concept of where do you put the butt in a sentence? For example, uh, if you're talking to your kids and their room isn't clean, we, we usually say, I love you, but your room isn't clean. Mm. Nobody remembers what you said before the butt. Right. You know, and, and I feel like F3 is, you know, th- the more powerful statement is your room isn't clean and I love you both can be true. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, that's interesting. I, yeah. But- yeah. I, I've learned that the hard way with, with some major failures I, I've had in my relationship with my M and, and going to some, some F3 packs about it in, in how we process where we put that, but in the sentence uh, can actually be really, really impactful just in talking to another packs.
1: Yeah. I, I am a mess or I'm in a mess, right. which is it you pick mulch. Anything to close?
0: And I would just like to encourage the guys to to lead with vulnerability. Um, I think that's what's going to take your region um, much deeper. Guru does an amazing job at that, right? I mean, you get vulnerable pretty quick. You're physically, mentally depleted, and and vulnerability just is the natural thing. But you know that that is really what is going to solidify those relationships. And where you're going to get the biggest benefit, um, it's not about the first F. Although that's what gets us there. That's what keeps us there. There's so much more. And if that's the only thing you're there for, you're truly missing out and it's uncomfortable, but being uncomfortable is a place you should get comfortable with. And that could start with walking up to a guy and you know what it is. What is the one thing you don't want to tell them? (laughs) Say that, (laughs) say that, you know, Get, yeah. get in your shield locks and open it up. Hey, you know, this is how my week was. And the one thing I don't want to tell you guys is this. And the beauty of where that conversation will go is gonna grow you all so much more than uh just talking about sports, as Doa puts it. Yeah.
1: The sports. Why don't you always talk about the sports? Sports. Ralph, did you have anything?
0: Yeah, not to be the uh
2: evangelical Presbyterian who stereotypically quotes C.S. Lewis, but I'm gonna quote C. S. <laughs> Lewis. <coughs> Where he uh, he said two of the best words in the English language are or uh, or basically four or you know some combination of you two or I thought I was the only one or me too, and the amount of times that you will hear that if you allow yourself to be vulnerable will blow you away and it will allow you to be more vulnerable it will be the next person allow the next person to be more vulnerable so i I would you know I, i'm I'm with mulch that you know. Keeping it bottled up inside, that's not going to do
0: anybody any good. No, yeah, it makes us all worse. We we lose yeah. out on the opportunity to learn from you.
1: Absolutely. Gentlemen, uh, again, I thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank the PAX for listening. Uh, and I'm going to take a, a little note from uh, the former 43 before the reboot uh, and say, hey, guys, will you do something for me today? <laughs> will, you, will you be the leader that you are and not the one you think you're supposed to be? Yeah. All right? Good.
0: Right. A worry of mean mean, stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean
3: pride.
1: Thanks for listening to the 43 Feet Podcast. If you like what you heard on the show, or if it's helped you in some way, we'd ask you to rate us, write a review, and share us with your friends and networks. It really does help others to find us. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com or tweet us at 43feetpodcast. The climb we're on to create virtuous leaders isn't going to be easy, but we'll get there, 43 feet at a time.